Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are recapping a unfortunate uh, result for the Kansas Jayhawks against the Kansas State Wildcats. Did not go quite the way that we were hoping it would, but we have that to talk about. We have basketball to talk about. The Maui Invitational is coming up. And not only that, but the the uh, Jayhawk women are also going to their own Invitational over, over Thanksgiving. Um, so, to help me talk about that... All of that is Kyle Davis, my deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Kyle, how are you doing today? I, I was under the impression the football didn't play this weekend, so I thought this was all just strictly basketball. That's, yeah, that's yeah, you case. know, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, you know, when, you, when you're down to your third-string quarterback, like, they give you a few, you know, extra weeks to prepare, right? So that way, you know, it's, it's, it's a fair fight. So, no, unfortunately, Kansas dropping the game late to Kansas State. Um, You know, 31-27. Cole Ballard gets the start. I thought I actually played fairly well. Yes, he had the two interceptions late in the game. Um, but for a, you know, up until recently, a freshman, a true freshman walk-on um, who was recently was, was put on scholarship. But, like, that was his first actual start, his first real, like, legitimate game action where he was the guy where he, you know, they planned on having him the whole time and, you know, let let's start off the top because in the in the post game press conference, you know, uh, Lance Leipold was asked if Jason Bean was available, and he said that he was available to play if needed. But Cole Ballard had gone through most of the practice reps, and they were more comfortable with him executing the game plan. Do you think having Jason Bean, a fairly certainly not a hundred percent Jason Bean, would have been that much of a difference in this game, or do you think that? you know, that, that it probably wouldn't have mattered either way. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, the whole, you know, one guy had more reps is a little, feels like a little lip service at this point when you're talking about a sixth year quarterback and Jason Bean in the second to last game of the season. Like I understand if this is week two and you've got maybe a, 
a sophomore and he's banged up. It's like, oh man, you know, he he's just didn't get much reps. We feel like we need to go with another guy, go with the backup. But like, I feel like with Jason Bean at this point in the season, two or three days of reps really going to make that much of a difference. Now I, that it, it, so when I hear that, I think, okay, he was not a hundred percent and they really didn't want to throw him out there unless they had to, um, to answer your question, no, I don't think it made that much of a difference. I think Kansas was uh, proved to be on equal footing with Kansas State, even with the third stringer. And you're right. I mean, I mean, Ballard was, you know, he showed a lot of guts in the game. One of the interceptions was on fourth down and goal anyway. So, it's you know, it's one of those things where even if it's not an interception, Kansas loses the ball. And so that one wasn't too bad. The, the one interception was, was, was bad, but then, you know, Melo Dotson immediately gets – a pick back to kind of negate it. So, you know, he, he was running hard uh, and getting first downs. He was, he was made some big connections with Skinner on, on, you know, but on that fourth down and two and a couple others. So no, I don't think now who knows Jason Bean maybe makes a player two, but this game to me was not because of the offense. It was not because of the quarterback play. Why you lost the game. You did enough with your third string uh, quarterback and outside of the first possession, which I thought was, pretty uninspired to just run it three times uh, and give a three and out after you gave up a touchdown in a minute and 16 seconds. Outside of that, I thought the play calling was pretty good. And, and, you know, they let him open it up a little bit. So honestly, maybe the um, maybe K-State scoring early was the best thing for Cole Ballard because they kind of had to be like, all right, let it fly young fella. And he did, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that Jason Bean, maybe, maybe Kansas wins, but man, when you make the mistakes that they did, no amount of quarterback play. It, it's it's hard to to overcome and beat a good team when you make as many mistakes as Kansas did, no matter who the quarterback is. Yeah, I'm going to get this out of the way off the top. There was definitely some in, some very egregious calls that did lead directly to some Kansas State points. I do think that Kansas probably benefited from a call or two that allowed a drive to continue as well that maybe wasn't quite there. So I'm not going to blame this on the officiating, but you do look at some of those drives that got extended, like with everything that kind of happened there, you still have to feel pretty good about the way Kansas played in this game. Kind of like you said, um, you know, I heard that quote and I saw a bunch of people getting extremely upset about it. And what that quote screamed to me is Jason Bean was not ready to play that if they had to throw him in there, they would have been able to throw him in there. But you talk about, you know, he probably was a 50% quarterback as opposed to like, if he's 80%, then yeah, you probably want him in there over Cole Ballard. And like you said, you know, the fact that he didn't have as many reps in practice that week isn't that big of a deal. But I think instead what you had was probably a Jason Bean that was r- roughly 50%. The game plan that they had set up included quite a few quarterback runs or options for quarterback runs. And I just don't know that Jason Bean was ready to take that kind of contact. Cole Ballard obviously was. I mean, he was he was rearing to go hit some people. So, you know, I was, uh, I was very happy to see the way that he played. This just, I mean, yes, it's unfortunate. You're very... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to be upset about the missed opportunities and, you know, talk about the fact that you probably should have won this game. I mean, you look at that pick, that drop pick six, um, you know, that was that like, that would have, that would have potentially put the game away at that point because Kansas would have gone back up by 11 or back up by 10 at that point with not a lot of time left. Instead, Kansas state drives down and takes the lead. And then I don't believe they ever gave it up after that. So, you know, it was a rough turnaround but I thought the defense played fairly well. I thought the offense played fairly well. Special teams was an issue. And obviously that, that Trevor Wilson fumble was a big deal. 
it caused a lot of problems for the Jayhawks. But, you know, this is a Kansas team that I think, you know, you still, you still have, while you have a lot of pieces, you still don't have the same kind of depth that Kansas State has. You still don't have the same level of athletes on the offensive and defensive lines. Like, this is a game that coming in, Kansas State probably should have won by quite a bit. I mean, the line was, you know, up to 10.5 at one point during the week, and then 7.5 right before kickoff is what I saw. So, you know, Kansas being only down four points at the end of this game, I think it was a, it was a testament to how far they've come, especially when you have to do it with a third-string quarterback. Yeah, and actually, so the, the Rich Miller near pick six, Kansas was up by 11 at the time. So oh, that that's right. They it. were already up by 11. Oh, man. I yeah, forgot. so that, so that would have... That would have made that three scores, and then you would rather say because Kansas K State not only got the touchdown, but they got the, the two point conversion, two point yeah. conversion to get it to three. And it, this is one of those things where you can't have, you know, the the Kansas, you know, Devin Neal gets the second touchdown instead of being fourteen to seven. There's the block PAT run back, and it's thirteen to nine. And you think to yourself, oh, I really hope that doesn't come back to bite them. And then Trevor Wilson muffs the punt near midfield, and you go. Oh, I really hope that doesn't come out to bite him. And then Rich Miller drops a pick six that would have extended it to three scores. And you're like, oh, that's going to come back to bite him, isn't it? You can't have that many, oh, this is going to bite them, isn't it, uh, plays. Because you're right. Like, if you look at the talent, I don't think Will Howard's that much better of a quarterback than Jason Bean is. And frankly, he didn't play any better than Cole Ballard did, really. Um, the, the running back is situation is pretty even both of them are very good k-state's receivers are outside of phillips brooks being fast like they their tight end is special uh but you know I, I think maybe you would argue that ku has better receivers and like i said in the preview like k-state's running defense has been bad in big 12 play they gave gave up 230 yards to texas they gave up uh let's see i had a 234 year. yards um, to kansas right but i'm saying like the the and this is not a this is not a fluke. Now, Kansas has like took full advantage, but they gave up 230 yards to Texas, 182 to Texas Tech, and 174 to Oklahoma State. So this this team had been gotten on the ground, and Devin Neal was fantastic. Uh, like you know, we got to start talking about where his statue goes next to Lance um, outside of the new booth. But like, yeah, they KU had 144 yards right before the half. The defense outside of that first. Um, that first drive really stepped up and, and played pretty well, especially, you know, they finally got some pressure. Will Howard really didn't get any pressure on himself in the first drive and a half. Austin Booker started getting in there. They, they started, you know, it seemed like K-State had a decent ground game, but they came in big chunks. It seemed like Kansas would hold them to two or three yards. And then, you know, that Treshawn Ward broke one for 50 yards and that obviously helped the average and whatnot. But, you know, whereas it seemed like Devin Neal was getting eight to, 15 yards just kind of regularly it seemed like kansas's defense outside of a couple just gashes there uh played pretty well and so you, to your point the special teams was the area where k-state was much better and that seemed to be the difference and then obviously there's a missed opportunity on defense with rich miller with the pick six but this was the gap's been closed i know there's been a lot of talk about this like k-state was not overpowering uh with their athleticism yeah they might have been a little bit deeper but just like player talent level that was a pretty evenly matched game in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have loved to have gotten the win just so I could shut up some K-State fans that I know. But, uh, you know, I will say that uh, apparently Will Howard needs to, you know, they need to step up the education over there because, you know, uh, I don't I don't understand 
how he messes up the the definition of what a little brother is uh, so badly, you know, to say that, oh, man, if it always feels good to beat little brother, there's in no way Kansas being little brother to Kansas State. Um, sure, like, you've been really good at football, especially compared to Kansas, but Kansas still, still losing the all-time series. Right, Kansas still leads the all-time series. Kansas still dominates in pretty much every other sport there is available. In fact, if I remember correct, I, I don't believe that there is a team sport where Kansas Lee or lose is down in the all-time series against Kansas state. There might be one. Um, but I, I honestly don't know exactly what it is. Like I think Kansas Lee, Oh, you know what? It's probably women's basketball. Um, I think that might be the only one. And that's because of how dominant they were, you know, over the course of the last, I guess, two decades or so in the, in the series there. But you know, Kansas, Kansas in every way, pretty much is, is by far the, uh, the superior athletic, to, uh, athletic department uh, over Kansas State. So I know that there's plenty of Kansas State fans that are going to decide to listen to this one, wanting to see how badly we're going to be down, that are going to take some 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 umbrage at that uh, statement. But you know what? The truth hurts sometimes. Anyway, um, you know, just like it hurt the fact that Kansas lost this game, you know, defense did, I thought, a great job. Um, and like like you said, there was just a couple things that were missed there. You know, Kansas only got one sack, just the one sack by Austin Booker in this game. There was, you know, four tackles for loss, and it seemed like most of those came in the fourth quarter, with the exception of the sack, of course. Um, you know, as Kansas was trying to get back into or trying to shut down what Kansas State was doing. But overall, like, what would you say your, I guess, grade for the defense is in this one? Like, I look at this one, and I and I see a, t- a defense that fought really hard, that had a lot of really good plays. Yes, they just got torched in that first drive. And honestly, if you don't get torched in that first drive, then you know, maybe it turns out different. Although I think if you don't have the the start to the first half, the way you did, maybe you also don't have the start to the second half, the way you did where Kansas just completely marched down the field, doing whatever they wanted um, and scored a quick touchdown. So, I mean, you know, I think overall, I think this was a really good performance. They just got beat by a team that made less mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would give the defensive grade a B minus. I think you, you get a little bit of a dock for, for the first drive. I think you get a little bit of a dock for not being able to stop the run and get the ball back um, at the end of the game and let, you know, Kansas State was able to run out the clock there. The, the, the third down catch out of bounds, which was probably too close to call. Um, so they were going to always – it always felt like they were going to go with whatever the call was on the field. Um, but, yeah, and you're right. There was just – there was a couple – you know, the, the, the Treshawn Ward uh, run – which was just at a bad time. That was right after the Rich Miller dropped pick six. So, you know, the 50 yard run that immediately got K-State in, in KU territory is is a rough one. But overall, I thought the defense was, again, yeah, B minus, which, you know, what we typically said that if, if, if everything else is going for KU, that's all you need from the defense and you should win most of the games. And, you know, that's one where if you have one of your quarterbacks in and you make one or two less, special teams mistakes, then, then that's going to be enough to win it. And yeah, it looked this, like it was going to be enough to win it. Yeah. This, this felt like a B plus game from the offense, a B minus game from the defense and an F from the special teams. Unfortunately, special teams were just not good. Um, with the exception of course of, of Tabor Allen, who I think I tweeted at one point or, or put in the live blog at one point, it's like death taxes and Tabor Allen kickoff for a touchback because it seems like no matter what he does, um, you know, unless Kansas is backed up because of multiple penalties to like their 20 yard line, he pretty much always kick, gets a, a touchback so that the opposing team doesn't get an opportunity to get a big play on the kickoff return. So, you know, 
I just think that this was unfortunate that you had, you know, I, I saw a lot of people calling for Trevor Wilson to not be the guy returning punts. Kansas has kind of rotated that around a lot this year, but I, I will agree that it seems like Trevor Wilson has had the most blatant errors or big mistakes um, at the punt returner position. I don't know how exactly to decide who is doing it every week in and week out, but this felt to me like it was a spot where you probably wanted to have your best punt handler, um, you know, who for quite a while I thought had been Luke Grimm. Uh, so I, I was a little surprised that they, you know, I, I guess the fact that Trevor Wilson has a touchdown return is probably why they keep going with him. But I also think that there's some value in a, in a game that late where you have, you know, somebody who is able to go ahead and actually hold on to the ball. Um, let's also talk, yeah, or- you know, Kansas actually got some some fumble luck in this game, though, because Cole Ballard was running and fumbled it. It went like 15 yards forward, and then Jared Casey was able to jump on the ball um, so that they could keep Dominic it. Cooney. The, well, the, the Fox team was wrong. It was Dominic Cooney. Did they fix it? Because yeah. according to the play-by-play, <laughs> it was credited to Jared Casey. So that's why yeah, I was a well, little they, confused. I don't think Cooney – I don't think Casey – he was – Casey missed it the first time around. It kind of hit off his hands. Uh, and then Pooney got in there, I think. Um, but, yeah, the, the the Fox the Fox team was an interesting one for those who watched it outside of – including my wife thinking the, the color guy's voice sounded like Steve-O and I couldn't get out of my head for the, the rest of the oh, game. That's hilarious. But, yeah, um, there's a couple of things in there that were a bit questionable. And, yeah, they um, – it sure looked like it was Pooney after it kind of bounced around there a little bit, but I'll try to I'll try to find the clip and confirm. I don't want to not give you know I'm a big Jared Casey guy, so I'm not ever trying to take credit away from Jared Casey. But um, yeah, yeah, we'll have that. to we'll have to investigate further because yeah, the play by play still gives it to Jared Casey. But either way, Kansas got back on the ball. It was it was about time that some fumble luck went their way. Unfortunately, not enough of it did. So um, yeah, I mean any anything else about this game? I don't want to linger on this loss too long if we can help it i mean i don't know much more to take away other than yeah devin neal was great daniel highshaw was you know his very productive self for the most part um i mean you know it it was a great play like that the 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 play calling out of the second half was great the the play action to mason fairchild who was wide open like you know i I thought that the yeah it, it it was the offense was you know was was doing what it needed to do. Um, you know, there's a couple of throws that Ballard could have could have done better, but really, you know, um, credit to him. You know, he I'm third and fifteen. He's running. He gets helicoptered down to the ten yard line. Like, I think for me watching it at home, knowing that you're already on your third stringer, it's like, hey man, like please take it easy. Yeah, but like, also, like, come on, good we, for him. For we don't want to see Ben Easters in this game just because. That means you're on your fourth string. But, you know, that is a huge part of the Kansas offense, right, is the quarterback being able to run and being able to pick up yards. And so – and he had he had fifty five yards rushing, which I think is uh, was good. But yeah, Devin Neal, I think you know I saw it was his he he eclipsed a thousand yards on the season in this game. He was incredible. Uh, you know, he is nearing. I don't believe he actually hit it, but he is nearing um, thirty career touchdowns. So uh, rushing touchdowns. So like he is he is becoming one of the big. Um, oh, he is at thirty now. So he got his thirteenth, his third touchdown of the, of the game was his 13th of the year 30th um for his career so, I mean, he crazy. is he is getting up there um and so yeah you know it's one of those things where you just you just need like one or two plays back and 
and that thing is probably a victory for the first time since 2008. Now you got to wait another year and hope that the injury luck is better off. Cause that's the, that's the, that's the, just the, the rough thing about always playing K-State at the end of the year is you never know just what's going to happen from an injury standpoint and just all of these different things, the weather, it's just one of those things where it's, it's hard to predict. And unfortunately for KU the last couple of years, injury snake bite is, is real. Yeah. Unfortunately, although, I mean, you know, glass, glass half full, Kansas is probably going to go eight and four in the regular season with two fairly significant quarterback injuries. Like the fact that Jason Bean is out for this game and, you know, uh, you know, from what I've heard, you would hope that he's good to go against Cincinnati, but I don't know that he will be, um, which means that Kansas might be starting Cole Ballard, you know, <laughs> who, who will still get to redshirt this year um, because he's only appeared in three games now. So there's only one more, one left that he can appear in. I don't believe that the bowl game counts for eligibility purposes, uh, so yeah, but by then I would imagine beans. Well, yeah, yeah. By, by then so, Bean would yeah. be back anyway. But like if, if Cole Ballard plays in the, in the bowl game, I don't believe they have to worry about his red shirt getting pulled. So, you know, Kansas is going to have, um, you know, you're going to have Cole Ballard. You're going to have Jalen Daniels back next year. You're going to have, you know, like I wouldn't be shocked to see Jalen Daniels as the starter, Cole Ballard as the backup in, in a very similar role to what like Jason Bean did this year, obviously without the, you know, yeah. I'm the fastest guy on the team kind of, uh, you know, additional uh help there but you know i could see cole ballard getting used as a you know direct snap as at, at the running back position and then being able to throw the ball out to Jalen or something like that so you know I, I think that they have just as many options in terms of all of the um you know all of the the weird looks and all the different things that they can do all that flexibility coming into next year so it should be another really good year i mean i i realize that that kind of just assumes that you're going to beat cincinnati but Cincinnati's been struggling. Let's let's just go ahead and talk about it now because I don't really want to come back to it later. You know, looking briefly at Cincinnati, they've had a very tough first year in the Big 12. Um, lots of people wondering about the uh, hiring of Scatter, of, of Satterfield um, out of Louisville. And I don't know. I mean, they've had moments here and there, but I don't know that they've done enough for me to really think that they're, you know, on a good trajectory for the new Big 12. I mean, you look at teams coming in. You've got Utah coming in. You've got... Arizona coming in who are both fairly good teams. And then you have, you know, Arizona state and Colorado, you have to think Colorado's on the way up. Arizona state is kind of in a similar situation uh, to a Cincinnati and that they are trying to rebuild at this point and, and hoping that what they're going to have is going to be good enough. But, you know, I don't know that Cincinnati is in a good position for the rest of this year or for next year either. So um, early, early thoughts about that game. Like, is there anything to really be worried about if, if, if you're a Kansas fan? And I think it's it's that things would have to go pretty sideways like it did on Saturday for it because, you know, it, Cincinnati has not been good taking care of the ball. They have to run the ball to succeed. Like Emory Jones just hasn't really been it. And you can look at their passing attempts and it shows you how little kind of trust they have in the passing game. And if you look, go last four games, 25 attempts, 27, 23, 27. Uh, they're, they're running the ball you know, 65 to 70% of the time. Uh, and I think that kind of tells you something about what they feel like they can do offensively from there. And you don't even feel that good about their, the fact that they've got a home field because they haven't been that great at home. Three of their four wins have been on the, or sorry, two of their three wins have been on the road. They're three and eight. They went to Pittsburgh in week two, which is an interesting one out and one. And then two weeks ago, they won at Houston, but 
so there's not been a home field advantage here. And then they cannot, they cannot stop the run very well, which is not good when you're facing Kansas. And all you have to look at is uh, West Virginia put up 424 yards and five touchdowns on the ground last week. Uh, and that's, that's right. But like Oklahoma state had three fifteen and four touchdowns on the ground. UCF had two twenty eight and four touchdowns on the ground. Like this Cincinnati defense cannot stop the run. Uh, teams are averaging five yards a carry on them. So, like, again, that's one of those things where, okay, they have to drastically win the turnover battle. They've got to make some big plays on offense, and then they have to somehow figure out how to completely shut down Devin Neal because otherwise I just don't see how Kansas loses this game without – again, some one get like special teams has to be a mess again. Cole Ballard has to throw three interceptions and maybe one of them's a pick six. Um, it's like there's got to be some weird juju, it feels like, uh, because Kansas is, is the better team. Yeah, I mean, you look at Cincinnati, right? They, outside of the 66-13 to 13 win against Eastern Kentucky to start the year, they have not scored more than 27 points in a game. Um, and they have not lost a game. Uh, they've only got, let's see, two games, one against Baylor and one against UCF, where they lost by less than double or no, I'm sorry. They lost by eight at BYU. So that that, that was also a one score game. Um, but you know, Kansas Kansas beat BYU, beat UCF, and uh, you know, so like those are the <laughs> those are the only two real games to compare to, and Kansas beat the brakes off of UCF. So like, I'm not that worried about this game. I do think you look at what Cincinnati. You know, I don't know that they're going to be able to run very well. Like, I don't know that they're going to be able to, to score very well at all. This Kansas defense, I think, is a lot better than some of the ones that they played recently even. Um, and they're going to be angry. Right. And, yeah, this is a team that's going to be very angry coming off that loss to Kansas State. Um, you know, there are there are a lot of Kansas uh, staffers and a lot of Kansas players that are absolutely pissed off about the way a lot of stuff has happened in the last few weeks. Specifically related to Kansas State, unfortunately, they weren't able to take all of the frustrations out on Kansas State with a win. So I feel like there's going to be some residual ones there that they're going to uh, make Cincinnati the the uh, the recipient of, which is unfortunate for them. The other thing that's unfortunate for Cincinnati is that they are the only school in the Big 12 right now that does not have a fantastic line from the sponsor here on the podcast, the Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage clothing company that is based right here in Kansas City, and they want you to be the best-dressed fan for the rest of the school year. Um, well, and of course, and beyond, but they have fantastic lineups for all the Big 12 schools, except for Cincinnati, of course, um, you know, for football, basketball, all kinds of stuff. They have fantastic Kansas shirts. They have some pretty good Kansas State stuff. And, you know, um, there's only one shirt that I would even think about getting, but it's because it's offensive lineman for Kansas State. But regardless, they had tons of basketball stuff coming up uh, as well. You've got stuff for Hunter Dickinson, stuff for KJ Adams, stuff for uh, Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris. They have just all kinds of great player stuff. They have fantastic um, you know, team stuff as well. And of course they have great hoodies and jackets and they just had varsity jackets on sale. It was all great stuff. If you go over to charliehustle.com, use promo code 101215. That's T E N one, two, one, five. You can get 15% off of all non-sale items over there. Again, great stuff. Go take a look. That's not a one-time code. That is whenever you want to use it code, which means you can go and shop over multiple days, you know, find out what everybody wants, you know, find out, uh, what exactly will work for everybody and all those great sports fans that you have in your in your family can get something fantastic from Charlie Hustle this year. So again, charliehustle.com, promo code 101215, get 15% off of all non-sale items. 
Charlie Hustle, Vintage Made Fresh. All right, I do want to jump over to all of the other sports that happened this weekend, but uh, before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be back right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. I'm here with Kyle Davis, my deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. And man, there was a ton, a ton of stuff going on this last week. We haven't yet talked about the Champions Classic against Kentucky, um, Kansas volleyball. You know, they went on or they they swept Baylor at home and then they went on the road and won in four sets against BYU, two ranked teams that they beat. So I would imagine when the uh, polls come out this week coming up that they're going to take a fairly significant leap up. Um, you know, and then the women's basketball team, yes, they lost against Penn State on Monday, uh, but they did bounce back where they went over UMKC and they get ready to go uh, to a neutral site at the Cayman Islands to, uh, I believe it's, yeah, it's it's the Cayman tournament playing Virginia Tech and Connecticut. Um, man, that is going to be a monster week of basketball, especially with Kansas at the Maui. Kansas men at the Maui Invitational as well. So we've got a ton to talk about. Which one do you want to hit first, Kyle? Oh, man. Uh, let's let's go with, uh, well, I guess volleyball real quick. I will say that was one of the, the BYU match was one of the most fun matches I've watched in a long time. Uh, the atmosphere was great. It was back and forth. It felt like every time one someone had a rally they there was uh, the momentum switched and so I you know I don't I don't know how much time we'll spend speaking of uh volleyball but that was that was super fun and this team is is now setting itself really well to host some games um in the postseason uh and this is one year right like they they've been kind of hovering in that like 14 and 15 uh spot in the rankings the last couple of weeks and you have to think that that's going to change when those uh, new polls come out yeah um unfortunately you know uh, volleyball still uses the RPI to determine a lot of that stuff. And Kansas is down at number 19. Uh, BYU is still up at 14. But I have to imagine that, uh, you know, it, they don't just strictly use the RPI. But I could imagine a scenario if Kansas doesn't win out that they could potentially not get to host. But, but man, you know, the way that they played on the road against BYU, um, you know, like you said, it was it was a fantastic match. I really enjoyed listening to the BYU announcers. I thought they did a really good job being objective and celebrating just how good of a match it was, as opposed to just, you know, talking about BYU. Like they, it was very clear. They did their homework about the KU team. 
Um, you know, they knew exactly what they were talking about both, you know, on both sides of the ball uh, or, or both sides of the net there. And, and, you know, I thought Kansas showed up really well. There was a lot of times where BYU went on a big run, you know, BYU got out to a huge lead in the first set and Kansas battled all the way back and barely dropped that one. And then they went ahead and won the next three sets and none of them were easy. Like they had to battle for the entire time. And so it was fantastic to watch them do that. I do think that this is a team that is getting all the momentum that they need heading into the NCAA tournament. So even if they don't get a host, I have a really good, um, you know, I have a really good feeling that they are going to be a team that makes it deep in the tournament this year, just because of how, you know, how, how strong they are, how, uh, you know, senior related they are, like how much, how much uh, development that they have had over the course of the year. And then how much experience they have. This is a team that went to the NCAA tournament not too long ago, um, you know, and were able to get some big upsets. Uh, actually, I believe it was last year that they went to, you know, Pittsburgh. And um, so, like, they, uh, yeah, this, I mean, this is a team that I think is is set up as well as you possibly can be for the NCAA tournament. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. They do have two matches coming up this week uh, to kind of finish off the season. Or I guess, actually, it's this week. Um, they have one, and then on the 26th, they, or no, sorry, the 25th is their, fine, is their final match. I believe that they're on the road uh, against UCF. I believe they have Cincinnati, or, or no, I think I have that flip. I think they, they go to Cincinnati this week and then are on at home on Saturday against UC. I'll have to double check. But either way, one more home match. It will be senior night. If you can get out there, if you, you know, I believe tickets are already sold out, but if you can find a way to get out there, definitely do it because this is a team that really deserves your support. Um, but looking forward to seeing what they can do. And then I'm hoping to have somebody connect to the program onto the podcast that we can talk about before the, uh, you know, before the, the actual NCAA tournament, but we'll have to see. So, but let's go ahead and jump over next, I think, to women's basketball. Yes, they dropped that game against Penn State, um, you know, but they did win on Saturday against UMKC. It was only a five-point win, but I thought still it was a very, a very good win for them. Great to get right back on track. And now they have the real test of the offseason coming up. How big of a deal do you think it is for them to be able to go and play these two games, even if they're the ones that they're not that successful in? Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta. Well, one, you know, these off these these non conference games, it's, especially when you're playing top top opponents, it's it's a bit of a. I don't want to say it's it's. You know, risk free, but it's one of those things where if you lose, it doesn't knock you that badly unless you get absolutely destroyed because you you know you're expected to lose the ranked team. It, it it doesn't look like a bad loss on your resume, and if you win, then there you go, you get a bump and. You know, you you see it all the time when these teams play nothing but cupcakes in the non-conference, and then they get into Big Twelve play, and they just look completely overwhelmed. And I would I would rather have a prepared Jayhawks team that maybe has three or four losses in 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 on their resume going into Big Twelve play, but like are you know are battle tested and proven and ready to go out there than you know having an undefeated team that it doesn't actually look the part and so this will be a good test um you know especially since the the credit for kansas has been that it's it's had pretty solid balance um you know franklin didn't even play well against uh umkc but you have you know four starters and double figures so i'm interested to see yeah how can basically can you hang um and this is kind of a good litmus test of your standing in the link because you're you're you know you're going to go play a couple of teams ranked in the top 10 if you can hang and even if you lose and it's a single digit loss i mean that's that's a a strange confidence builder and it's a good like i said litmus test 
And then you go into, you got a couple more tune-ups and you've got, you know, you, you have yourself in a good spot going into big 12 play. And if you can somehow get a win on one of these, you know, knock off Virginia tech and, um, and get a top 10 win under your belt, then, you know, that's why I say the the gains completely outweigh the risks uh, when it comes to this. Yeah. I, I also apologize. It's actually, it, it, I saw a bad headline or something somewhere because they actually won by nine. They were up by 22 at the half. Yeah. Uh, 70 to 61 up by 17 going into the fourth quarter and then let them, you know, kind of get back in the game, but it was never really close. It wasn't like a UMKC made a huge run, got it really close. And then Kansas have pulled back away. It was Kansas just, slowly let them creep closer and closer as the time ticked off and you didn't really need to necessarily be, um, you know, extremely, um, I guess, <laughs> uh, you didn't have to worry too much about them going on a gigantic run to come all the way back. So they kind of just did what they had to do. So, all right. But, uh, yeah, like, like you said, the, Vir- the Virginia tech and the Kansas game, I'm sorry, the Virginia tech and the Connecticut games coming up are going to be absolutely fantastic opportunities for them, um, coming up here. So I am looking forward to that. All right, so let's go ahead and jump over to the men's side. Obviously, a big one happened this week, Kansas versus Kentucky uh, in the Champions Classic. You know, both of those games were actually pretty fun to watch for quite a while, although the Duke and and Michigan State one kind of got, I think, a little bit out of hand at the end. But Kansas goes up, I'm sorry, gets punched in the mouth pretty early against Kentucky, makes a nice comeback, looks like they're going to go up, and then... I don't know. It was back and forth. I, you know, I was, it was so late at night that I was probably half asleep anyway while I was watching it. And I don't remember exactly how the game went. And I forgot to pull it up before we got started. You're good. No. So yeah, KU started on a 9-0 run. Started about That's as well right. as you could. Then uh, Kentucky then decided that, again, you know why? It was because I, I, I put this on the Twitter and I texted a friend of mine. Now coming into the game, <clears throat> Kentucky Wildcats not named Antonio Reeves were shooting 26% from three. And so, and of what course, happened all those Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah. Reed Shepard, Rob Dillingham. Rob Dillingham looked like he was Steph Curry out there for about a four minute stretch. He had 16 points really early. Uh, and then, you know, they, yeah, it got ugly. You had what was going to be a 10 point lead going into the half, a turnover. And then Hunter Dickinson knocks down the three from the, from the top of the key to make it seven. And then the second half started out as bad as you could get as well. Um, Kentucky got up to 14, and I think this is where, like, I just want to run down this kind of series of events because I think this speaks to Kansas quite a bit. So Kentucky gets up 14. Dwan Harris knocks down a three, which will become a theme. Dickinson gets a put back and one. He's fouled. So now it's it's eight. Uh, Kentucky misses a couple free throws. KJ Adams, pick and roll, cut, makes it, gets fouled, doesn't make the free throw. So it's six. Then you got another uh, – one where this, I believe this was uh, the air ball outlet to McCuller, McCuller half court alley oop to KJ Adams. It's down to four. And then uh, Harris found Dickinson for an alley oop 62 to 60. And so this was, I think this was a about the most telling four minutes of game time. And, and it was impressive in the fact that it wasn't just one guy. And then if you look at the stats, the stats are ridiculous, but that top four for Kansas might be the best and most complete top four that there's been in a long time. I mean, you have Dwan Harris <clears throat> knocking down threes, excuse me, just all over the place when he needs to because they continue to go under screens and and just give him all that room. Hunter Dickinson was 
great. And a lot of it was like the hard work of just like crashing the, the glass and getting putbacks and, and turning, you know, misses into makes. KJ Adams in those pick and rolls were just so dangerous. And again, you know, it was one of those things where every time Kentucky went on a run, it would seem like Harris was the one with the shot that kept him in it. But KJ Adams in that little stretch was just a difference maker. And then, you know, Kevin McCullough, I don't think even had one of his best games, but just statistically he was all over the place. Even then right after that stretch, you had the the Parker Brown dunk in there. And then my favorite part of this whole game was probably Jamari McDowell just getting thrown in in the last three minutes and completely cold after KJ Adams fouled out. Now, KJ, that fourth foul they got on him was about as weak as you can get. And then he immediately got number five. Not only I think you got to give McDowell as a freshman credit for not only icing two free throws up three with five seconds left, which is a about as high pressure of a spot you can get, but he was guarding Antonio Reeves in that last stretch and he locked down on him pretty well without fouling, which again, for a freshman, not only a freshman, but a freshman who comes in cold, hadn't played the first, uh, what was it like, you know, 35 and a half minutes of the game. That was pretty incredible. So I think you have to, you know, it was not perfect by any means. It got ugly, but that was a a pretty incredible test. They fought back. And again, I think one of the things that you like in that comeback is that it wasn't just one guy and you saw it was inside out. Um, you had multiple guys stepping up and that, that again, that, that top four now for Kansas to reach its ceiling, that two guard spot has to get solidified, you know, whether it's El Marco Jackson still starting and Nick Timberlake just being more reliable off the, off the bench, you know, that Johnny Furphy did not have his best game by any means. So like there's, there's still plenty of room for improvement, but with those top four playing the way that they are to start the season, it makes it really hard to overcome that. We, you know, we talked about the same thing with um, uh, with football. How on the other flip side, how hard it is to overcome some of these boneheads and things. It's like, man, when you have just Dickinson and McCullough and Harris locked in, and then KJ doing what he's doing, that's really hard to overcome as an opponent. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to try to pick like which player you know was the most impressive here, it would be really hard to do. Like, like you said, I think there's, I think there's five different guys that you could point to. Right, you can. You can point to Jamari McDowell because remember he came in. Well, remember for the people that, you know, are listening to the podcast, not for you specifically, but he came in, like you said, ice cold had not really had any, any, uh, well, actually I don't, I I think that was when he first checked into the game, but came in for KJ Adams who fouled out. KU was down by four at that point, like to be able to come in and have such a huge impact that he did, because you're right. Like you said, like he locked down, he locked down Antonio Reeves, who got like a layup, or I'm sorry, a jumper, but he missed a three pointer. I'm trying to pull up to see exactly how well he did. Let's see, he missed two three pointers, three three pointers, four three pointers. Like <laughs> he took oh, five, the, he took five three pointers, seventeen for the game. No, but I'm saying he took five three pointers with Jamari McDowell on the floor and did not make a single one of them. Like, right. that's how impressive his defense was. I thought he got in the face quite a bit of Antonio Reese. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Kansas went on an 11-1 run after he came in the game. And, yes, you don't you don't say all oh, that's Jamari McDowell, but the fact that he was able to play defense at the level needed to allow them to do that, I think speaks a ton. And, and of course, you know, he he had the four points for – or, sorry, was it four points or two points for the game? Two points. Yeah, yeah. two points, four minutes. That's right. Yeah, those two yeah. points were huge and, because they, they yeah. kept Kentucky at bay – um, and yeah, I mean, I, so like you said, 
I think they have to figure out how they're going to play the two. Um, I feel like at this point, there's nobody that stepped up and said, I'm going to be the guy. So you're going to have a guy that's going to start and you're going to have to try to piecemeal it together. That's the Achilles heel of this team. But they have a lot of options, a lot of guys that could develop to be that reliable number two. Um, but, you know, the other the other guys that were super impressed, I mean, Dewan Harris scores, I believe that was his career high at 23 points. But he went five sure. to six from three, two or six from two, four or five from the line, not, or seven assists. Um, you know, Hunter Dickinson scoring the first 2020 game in the Champions Classic history. Um, so 27 points, 21 rebounds. Kevin McCuller, triple-double. I believe that was the first triple-double in Champions Classic history, but I'm not sure. Um, uh, Denzel Valentine. Okay. The first so, so, so second number two. Okay. Yeah. I was to say, I knew that there was, there was some sort of history there. I couldn't remember if it was the first or second, but then, you know, I mean, and then even, even KJ Adams, 16 points, um, only four rebounds, you know, we say only four, but he also had two steals. Like I just thought that you had five different guys that all played phenomenally in this game that you could point to. And, you know, they weren't all starters, which I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, and, and credit to the freshman, too. Now, I know this was not Marco Jackson's best game, um, but the, the freshmen come in in between he and McDowell are um, seven of uh, yeah, seven of eight from the line. And, again, big spots, whereas you have McCuller and, eight, and Adams who are six of 12 from the line. So getting free parts, and I think the McDowell thing is, is impressive, too, because usually if you get a – you know, freshman coming in in the last who's cold, like that, you know, a coach will hone in on him and say, we're going to attack him over and over until he proves he can stop. And and McDowell held his ground really well. So I'm not too worried about the Marco Jackson. He is a freshman still trying to learn the ropes. I know self is wishes. I think probably he was not making some of the, maybe the, the bonehead plays and just kind of would go out there and not try and think so much. It seems like that's happening a lot because, He's athletic enough. He looks like he belongs there. I think some of it is like in his head still getting there. But um, you're right. I think because of the way that the top end of your roster is constructed and playing, you now have more time to to give Marco Jackson and Timberlake a little bit of grace and Johnny Furphy and, and whatnot. And then, you know, even self-admitted it. I think he said that he did not expect Jamari McDowell to be as far along as he is when he got to campus. And, you know, they weren't sure exactly how much time he was going to get to play this year and what that would look like. And now I don't think he's necessarily now going to be a 25 minute a night guy, but that's just a, for a team that has been needing depth and where depth has been the thing you kind of zero in on for them. Uh, having a competent Jamari McDowell would just go a long way to someone who you can throw out there for 15 minutes if someone's in foul trouble or a furphy shot not falling or whatever it is, just to have a guy who can be a bit of a security blanket and kind of stop the bleeding and, and whatnot and give you some valuable minutes there. That's, that's huge. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but you know, Dewan Harris going from averaging one point a game to 8.33 points a game in just a single game is absolutely phenomenal for him. He said he would shoot when he needed right. to. Right, he said he, he would shoot when he needed to. He obviously needed to in this game, but the fact that he was so hot, I thought, was was huge. Like, you you are more than willing to let someone else take the main facilitator role like Kevin McCuller did if it means that Dewan Harris, when he's comfortable and is able to step up like that, can have those offensive performances. Because you know that nine times out of ten – He's going to be the guy that's getting those assists, that's getting him out to people. And really, what what a game like this does, more than anything, 
is tells other teams, especially in the Big 12, you can't just lay off of Dewan Harris because he can go off if he needs to. Um, and so I think that's the biggest takeaway for Dewan Harris is not that is not that he's going to turn into, you know, a Frank Mason type scorer going to always get to the basket and do a, you know, whatever he needs to, to get a ton of points. Instead, it's that if he needs to take over a game by scoring, he has the ability to do that. Now they also have, you know, three other guys that could do that. KJ Adams can do that. Hunter Dickinson can do that. Kevin McCuller can do that. They've got a ton of guys, but Dewan Harris being one of those guys that can do that is a huge thing for the floor of this team. I was just thinking, think about what opens up when, so before Harris and Adams running the pick and roll is a staple and, and Adams is great at, at kind of, you know, slow growth, like curling off of that, but it has been and Kentucky did it every single time, pick and roll under the screen, give Harris a solid five or six. Everyone's going to be trailing uh, Adams. They're going to stuff the paint because they're looking for it. If now he is a threat to shoot even 35% from three, and you have teams, instead of going under screens, are trying to fight over or around these pick-and-roll screens, he's, he's got such a good vision that he's going to be able to find Adams, who now you have Adams uh, at the high post, and you've got Hunter Dickinson hanging out down, down low, and you've got to help a guy who has to decide whether he's going to go, go to the ball or stay with Dickinson. And now you've got likely either – going to draw a foul or you've got an easy basket. And so just where it opens up the offense and what, because before that was the thing is that they would sink down into the paint and they would give Harris all that space out there. And they would say, beat us with that. We're going to, we're going to follow Adams in this situation. We're going to hang, we're going to have help in the paint and you're not going to be able to dish it off and then have that high low game. If he's able to hit at this rate and then you have to say, well, okay, we can't give him this shot anymore. Uh, then you got to, you've got to basically pick your poison and that just makes this Kansas offense much, much more dangerous. Yeah. It just adds another wrinkle. I, I do want to say at some point I want to see a, and I know that Bill Self would never like allow this. He'd get pissed off if it actually happened, but I do think it'd be hilarious to see Dewan Harris, you know, lob one up to KJ Adams who literally just like volleyball tip drills it over to Hunter Dickinson for a, for a dunk. But um, I mean, it's the fact that they have all these guys that are this athletic that they could do something like that if they really wanted to. I think it's the best part about it. So, all right. I don't think there's much more to say about this game other than, of course, the fact that it's the big confidence booster. But we do have the Maui Jim Maui Invitational coming up. Um, you know, Actually, I think it's Allstate now. Allstate took over. Oh, you know what? You're right. It is now. I, I apologize. Well, I think it's the it's the Maui Jim Maui Invitational presented by Allstate. <laughs> yeah, because that makes sense. Uh, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Um, but anyway, so you've got, uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. So you have, let's see, Kansas faces Chaminade in the opening game, but also in the bracket you have on the other side of that game for the Jayhawks. Cause you have to assume that they're going to win that game. You have UCLA and Marquette. So the winner of that game is probably going to play Kansas. Um, you know, barring just some ridiculousness. Um, and then on the other side of the bracket, you have Tennessee against Syracuse and Purdue against Gonzaga. So it's not like there's any kind of slouches at all in this field. Um, I like, yeah, you've got if, from Ken Pong, you have the, the, you have the number two team, you have the number four team, and then you have seven, nine, and 11 that are all in the field. So it, again, five of the top 11 Ken Pong teams are in this field. But then you have UCLA at 34, and then you've got Syracuse as the odd one out at, at 116. But yeah, this is, this is a, this is a gauntlet. And, <laughs> the, the the Kentucky game was probably good to have to get you tested for this because you're right. So if if everything 
if if everything kind of falls the way it should, you're playing number 11 in terms of, again, Kim Palm ranking Marquette, uh, who we know how good they are. And then you're either getting Purdue or Gonzaga or Tennessee in the championship game. And none of those are going to be easy. And as we probably have to mention, um, as, as people probably saw, you know, KJ Adams yep. is the, the, had the loss of his mother to, to cancer on Friday. Um, Gary Bedore of the Kansas City Star reported today that he, Adams was in Texas to be with her and is going to fly to Hawaii uh, on Monday. And so he's probably going to miss the Chaminade game, which you won't need him for that. And then we'll hope to play because he might not even make it there in time to physically be there for the right. game. It's, I think that's going to TBD. And then you, you, it sounds like self is, is expecting him to um, play in the second round, but you have to imagine that the Jayhawks are going to go out and just try and whoop Chaminade as much as they can for their, their brother who is on the way and obviously dealing with a, a terrible tragedy. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's obviously, it's one of those things that you never, never want to have to talk about, but you know, it is kind of a fact of life that these sort of things happen. And I, I definitely feel for KJ, um, you know, having lost my father-in-law to cancer as well. So I understand, uh, I will just say, you know, the obligatory F cancer because seriously, um, <laughs> but you know, seeing that I, I kind of figured I wasn't sure how long KJ was going to be out. I thought maybe there was a good opportunity he might, or a good possibility he might miss the entire tournament, which nobody would blame him for if he if he decided that he needed to. So, um, you know, these are going to be fairly late games. Like you said, I don't think that we necessarily need to have KJ Adams uh, for this first game, especially. And normally I would complain about Kansas playing Chaminade because it's like it, you, you know, miss out an opportunity for a decent opponent. Um, but given the fact that they're probably going to be playing two very high level opponents as opposed to, you know, two mid level opponents and then a high level in the final. Um, I think I'm okay with playing Shamanad in that first game, especially as a tune up without KJ. Yeah. And actually this, I think will be a good one because obviously depending on when this comes out go read the preview. Um, Cause I break it down, but Shamanad is the, they are the mid major and their D2, but they, they take on the identity of guard oriented live and die by the three kind of team. So they average making almost nine threes a game. Their best players are their guards. Um, uh, Isaac Emeril uh, Arthury, which I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, is, is, is dropped 16, 23, and 26 in their games. But they don't have a post presence. Their tallest guy is 6'9". Um, but unfortunately uh, for, let's see, um, and I'm trying to find now on my, on my uh, as I scroll through, yeah, Wyatt Lowell, He's 6'9", 225, but he only plays about 20 minutes a game because he can't stop fouling. He's averaging four fouls a game. He's already fouled out once. He's he's basically barely even putting up any numbers because he can't stay out of foul trouble. Their more productive post player is only 6'7". Uh, he's averaging 8 and 7. But again, it's um, – but he's also committed 11 fouls in three games. So they the, the, the Silver Swords are – their best qualities are they like to steal the ball and get fast break points and points off turnovers. And they like to shoot threes and against, and they're, but they're only one and two against their fellow D2 competition so far, even doing it. Now, a lot of them have been close. They're averaging 79 points a game, but the defense hasn't been great. And they just don't have anyone who can stop inside, which was why even without KJ Adams, you, you Hunter Dickinson is going to probably be able to get, 20 and 10 without breaking too much of a sweat. But the reason I like kind of this matchup is because I want this to be a good test for Marco Jackson and Jamari McDowell and those guys guarding 
fast uh, guards who like to take over offensively and shoot a lot of threes. They also like to, their guards like to get to the free throw line. So I think this is a good tune-up for Timberlake and McDowell and Jackson. And I want to see how they do here before you get to, again, Marquette's another one of those teams, which is led by its guards and its excellent guard play. And so I think this is probably, you're right, even though it's kind of one of those, oh, it's not too exciting when you play Chaminade, even though I like the tradition of having the the hometown team there um, because of the way they play and because of the thing that you need the most work on right now if you're Kansas is figuring out that guard rotation, especially that number two spot and the defense surrounding the, the guards. I actually think this makes for a really good, first round matchup for them before they get into who I am assuming is going to be Marquette. Yeah. It's going to be great, especially in the second half when, you know, Hunter Dickinson and Chaminade get into a three point shooting contest. So, um, no, (laughs) man, I am looking forward to this game, just watching great basketball again. Um, you know, obviously this might not be the most hotly contested game, but like you said, it's going to give them an opportunity to work on some things. It's going to be a benefit for them kind of coming up and, then really getting to solidify that against some really good teams. You know, this is a this is a, a tournament that obviously you'd be disappointed with a fifth place game. Um, but you know, if you're if you lose that game to a Marquette this early in the season, that's not a big deal. If you lose to UCLA, I mean, yeah, it, it would hurt a little bit, it would sting a little bit. But uh, I mean you're still gonna be playing a quality opponent from the other side of the bracket that's gonna help, you know, with RPI num- or, you know, the net numbers and everything. And it's not like a a high quality loss at this point, you know, against a very good team is going to torpedo any kind of chances you have a number one seed. Like Kansas is going to, Kansas is going to be a number one seed off of what they do in the big 12, as opposed to, you know, how, how good they look in the Maui Jim Maui invitational. So I am, let's be honest. We all, we all want to see Zach Eady versus Hunter Dickinson. I think that's, I want to see it for sure. ESPN is salivating at the idea of Hunter Dickinson versus Zach Eady in the championship game on Wednesday. I mean, you know what? Or I mean, let's just put it this way. If if Kansas doesn't make it, then I guess maybe Purdue have to lose too, so we can get it in the third place game. So true. Yeah. um, But you know, I mean, obviously I'd much prefer to be in the championship game, but you know, thinking, just a few years back where Kansas ended up playing Dayton, you know, you know, right. Or I believe that was a 2020 year. Cause it was right before. Yep. Yeah. Everything got canceled. Um, you know, Dayton made a surprise run to the, to the tournament championship and Kansas had a really good game against them. And that was kind of the precursor of, you know, so if, if Kansas doesn't get to play Purdue, you know, then, uh, or if Kansas gets upset by like a UCLA team, that's going to go on a run or something like that. Like there are so many good teams here that it's impossible to, I guess, take, any long-term lessons from this tournament uh, for the rest of the season. So either way, high quality basketball coming up on Thanksgiving week. I am extremely looking forward to it. We'll have that. We'll have good football. We'll have just all kinds of great stuff. It's going to be a fantastic week for college sports and of course, professional sports with all the NFL stuff happening over Thanksgiving as well. But um, so Kyle, before we get out of here, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, any anything with the with the basketball teams or football or anything like that coming up? No, I, as we were recording, uh, Texas's Max, Max A. Smith had to hit a game winning buzzer to beat Louisville um, in the Garden, and it was not a it was a tough shot. That was not a high quality shot, but uh, Texas escaped. They were seventeen and a half point favorites over Louisville, and they won by one point, eighty one to eighty. As we were talking here. Uh, and so 
that is one of those where it's, you're glad you hit the victory, but man, um, Texas has not really performed, I think, to their standards yet. They they had some early trouble with, with Rice, and they haven't really put teams away early, and uh, they play UConn, uh, I believe, tomorrow. So now I'm interested to see um, how that's going to look. And, and after you saw Miami handle K-State pretty well, I think just from a Big 12 standpoint, there was a lot of interesting things going on today um, to where it's really starting to feel like Man, that top three of Kansas, Baylor, and Houston, and I know Houston plays Dayton, as we were talking about later tonight, uh, that is um, that has to be the favorites right now. So I think that was uh, just an interesting result as we were talking some uh, Big 12 hoops there. Yeah, for sure. And, of course, over on the women's side, you know, the Big 12 is shaping up to be really, really uh, feisty as well with Kansas State upsetting number two, Iowa, um, up, you know, up in uh, Des Moines or wherever Iowa stadium is. I always forget where they are exactly, but, um, Iowa city, right? Iowa city. Yeah, that's right. I don't know why I was thinking Des Moines. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, this is going to be a really tough conference on both sides of the ball. Again, um, the way that we're used to it, but most people don't seem to actually give us credit for. So, all right, that is going to go ahead and do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me and thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do Go out wherever you get your podcast, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcasting. Subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. Give us a rating and review. Five stars, nice comments. would be absolutely fantastic. But if, for whatever reason, you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can talk, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are, of course, part of the 10-12 Podcast Network, covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference, including the new ones coming in. You can find links to all the great shows that we have over at 1012network.com. Uh, and, of course, you can support us over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash 1012network. Some really great articles that go up over there, exclusive content. I highly recommend, if you are not supporting the network, that you guys do it, because it's a lot of high-quality stuff that's coming out. But make sure you guys visit our sponsors. Uh, Charlie Hustle and Prize Picks, and that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.